0: Very happy that you're here tonight. We had a good time this morning. How many were here this morning? How many were not? We're glad the sinners came tonight. No, we're glad that you came. God bless you. Cheers, everybody. We had a good time this morning, so we're going to pick up a little bit where we left off this morning. This is my, really my first year anniversary uh, here uh, being at Kensington Temple. I've been here for one year now. So thank you so much. We are very, very excited to be here. I leave Tuesday to go back to the States for a little while, just for a few weeks and then I'll be back. I'm coming back. I'm not disappearing. So um, this is becoming my home. So this is home. So I'm very happy to be here. It's where God puts you is where your home is at. You know, you may be biologically from hither from thither, but it's where God puts you is where you're from. And so we're we're very excited to, um, to have been here for one year. Looking forward to a new year in the Bible School. We want you all to come to the Bible School, not just pray for the Bible School, but come to the Bible School so I can have you every day for nine months. Every day to torture the weirdness out of you and put the good stuff in you. Amen. Thank you, Wendy, one of our graduates here. So we're very, very, very excited about that. If you want to know more about the Bible School, there's a stand outside uh, of, of the room here in the foyer, or you can call the school and we'll get you information on it. Philippians, the third chapter, if you'll open your Bibles to that tonight. I do not know where I'm going, but I do know where I'm starting. Sometimes that is very, very exciting to me. I'm always asked, What are you preaching on? I have no idea what I'm preaching on most of the time. I only have a verse or a phrase, and that's where I start. And that's how my gift works. Uh, I have been given a, a beautiful gift that I cherish, that I can preach. ...on one word for hours, and it does not matter. I don't have to be one that studies for hours. I need to hear and obey. Not that I don't study. I read and I study. I love it. But um, your different gifts work different ways. And certain gifts have to have certain things. Like mine needs time and the right music. And other gifts, they just need time. Others just need this. But that's how mine works mainly. So we, we're going to see where we go tonight... That's why sometimes I'm not as, what you may call, organized as some others. Oh, I'm very organized, but not in the way you think. I'm prepared is the better word. Are you prepared? After 112 nations, you learn to be prepared better than organized. There is a difference. When you're prepared, anything goes. When you're organized, it only fits in your criteria. And when you're traveling the world... Your criteria or your outline or the way you've organized it in your mind does not always work. Have you been to Africa lately? Everything you plan in Africa changes on the way to church. And when you get there, it changes again. So you have to know how to just be prepared where nothing bothers you. I used to be prepared when I would come to the church building and I'd get prepared in the back room. And that didn't work. Everybody wants to talk to you, give you a cup of tea, ask you 5,000 questions, autograph books. I thought, I can't get prepared in the room, so... When I leave my flat or I walk out of my hotel room, I'm ready. So it does, nothing bugs me. Nothing bothers me. You can scream at me, and I'll just smile. Because the greater one lives in me, and you're not going to bug me. Thank you for the one. Amen. That's five pounds for you tonight. So, all right, let's read, let's read our scriptures and see where we're going to go tonight. Amen. We've been using this as a text, and this morning we were reviewing the things that I've preached throughout the first year. And I want to review a little bit more tonight with these Two verses that we have used for quite a few weeks on the high calling. Paul writes to us via the Philippian church and says, Brothers and sisters, I count not myself to have arrived or to have achieved or to to have apprehended. But this one thing that I do, this great man says, I forget those things that are behind me. And I reach for those things that are before I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. This is how he lived his apostolic life. If we're going to live a life that is going to be fun, that is going to be fruit bearing, that is going to be worth reviewing, it cannot be lived in the lowness of obedience. It cannot be lived in the approval of a medium lifestyle. It has to be lived in the adventure of beyond logic and reason into the realm of faith that we call the high call. Most Christians, most churches live in the medium and the low part of the call. That when they reach the high part or God visits them in a very unique way, they think it is just a visitation. A visitation is not the high call. The high call normally can be a lifestyle of what we think a visitation is, of a tangible Shekinah presence of God. I was raised in a family that understood that. Not everybody had a family like mine. I didn't know that until I began to travel the world and realize that we were unique in many ways, one being that God lived in our house. He was not a visitor. He lived in our home. We talked to him like I would talk to you. We felt him. We recognized him. My sister and I lived in that presence. My grandmother and my mother were very godly women. My mother is still alive and probably watching me tonight on on the line out there. But um, we lived like that. I did not know that most of the Christian world didn't have that. I thought everybody that prayed like we prayed, that pursued like we pursued, that was trained how I was trained. Christianity, spiritual life, you can be trained to live in the high call if you want be, if you have a desire for it. If you want it, you can be trained by them that have it to live in it. Now the high call for some may mean large crowds and dramatic miracles. Others may have a high call of intercessory prayer that is their main spiritual occupation of the earth. So there's different ways that people live that. But they carry a tangibleness of His presence. The thing that concerns me as I grow older, and I can't believe I'm saying it this way. I don't like the word old, but I'm getting older. I have a a second cousin that's 21 sitting to my right that's living with me this summer. And I keep watching him thinking he's 21 and I'm 44. There is a difference between the two. I don't want to admit it, but there is a difference. T- stand up, Jesse, so I can look at you. This is, give him a good hand, if you would. <clears throat> he's here for the summer. He is uh, between his two years at Ramah in Tulsa for Brother Hagen's school. So he came to stay with us, uh, with me, during the summer. So he'll be here throughout August. So, you know, I I listen and I watch and and I think there is a difference. But as I get older, there's things that concerns me about the fact that so many have not experienced certain dimensions of the presence of the Lord. I find in my life that God has been good to me. I've had in my life three visits from Jesus himself. When I was eight years old, I walk into my bedroom to read four chapters in the book of St. John. In our home, we had to read our Bible every day. It was a part of breathing. If we didn't read our scriptures, we had to stop what we were doing and go read them. And we just didn't read them to make sure we got through with them so we could go outdoors and play again. We had to report. So that's why I'm again a good reader now at 44. Because if we read four chapters and couldn't tell you at least one thing from each chapter, we had to go back and read them again. So we couldn't just bypass it. We tried. Sissy and I tried, but my mother and grandmother, no, go read it again. And you can tell me something that you've read in each chapter you've not read the Scriptures. That's part of training. So I learned early, I better get something out of this or I can't go play baseball. I can't go outside with my friends until I get this done. So I'd read these chapters, and I didn't like Leviticus. I didn't like some of those Old Testament things. And the begats were terrible. Who cared who gave birth to who? You can't say their name anyway. So even to this day I have trouble saying their names. So I call them Henry and Sam and Mary and Susie. I know you're the expert on how to say Old Testament names, but I'm not. But I begin, I have to read four chapters in our Bible, in the Bible, and give a report. And if we didn't give a report that was proper and good, we had to do it again. I wonder if you did that to yourself, how many times you have to read that verse again and again and you got something out of it. So I went into my bedroom to read four chapters in the book of St. John so I could get done. was not trying to be spiritual. was not in a prayer mood. I wanted to go back outside and play baseball with my friends. And a supernatural pull came up out of heaven and swallowed me. It went underneath my feet, and it pulled me up out of my room. Now, I don't know how better to describe it, what I what I felt and what I saw. I looked down into my room. I kept going up. I looked down into the backyard of our house. Pretty soon I was far enough up, I could see the whole neighborhood. And pretty soon, the city that I lived in disappeared. And I was at a high rate of speed. And I landed in a few moments outside of one of the biggest gates I'd ever seen in my life at that time. So I reached out to touch it because my brain was saying I was in a dream. But when I touched it, it felt very real to me. And as soon as I touched it, took my hand back from it as an eight-year-old boy. I turned to my right and there stood Jesus. And he looked at me and said, I want to give you a tour of heaven today. I liked the word tour. That meant I was going to go back. I didn't have to go and stay. <laughs> Most people only get a round trip. I mean, only get one way. I got a round trip to heaven. If I ever get to go again, I'll never come back. No matter how you try to raise me, you can slap me. Punch me, dump me in oil, but I'm not coming back. Go ahead and bury me. I'm gone. But I went and stood there, and, and, and my head and my mind was trying to figure out what in the world was going on. And I remember when he began to walk toward me, the glory or the light that was around him, because he walks in a degree of light or what the Bible calls the, the glory of the Lord, which most Christians don't know much about today, but it can manifest in a service like this. It can come suddenly or it can come in the midst of praise or in the midst of certain types of preaching that breaks and pierces the clouds and the heavens and makes that which has been reserved begin to rain upon you. And so as he walked toward me, the gate opened. And when the gate opened, I remember walking inside of heaven for the very first time. And when I walked inside of heaven... I remember seeing the curb that was golden and the flowers next to it that hummed. Now when I say flowers hummed it didn't mean a Walt Disney production. I have to clarify when I tell this story because everybody gets these little little pictures of little Walt Disney flowers. Mm. Flowers don't hum like that in heaven. Every few moments in heaven every few moments in heaven there comes a surge of the life or the energy or the Power of God, we're going through all of heaven. And when that life or that energy goes through that, those flowers, it makes a little sound that sounds like it's humming. So that's why to me as an 8-year-old boy, it made the flowers hum. They hum when you walk next to them. And each flower is as perfect as the other one, but distinct in different colors. And the golden street, when you look down on it, it at some parts it looked almost crystal clear as you look down on it. And I began to walk down the street and the Lord was leading me and I saw a woman. You know, you can see people. The way you look here on earth, you're going to look in heaven but you're going to look perfect and not fat. (laughs) You're going to be the right height, the right look, the right size. You'll just be the right look. Can you handle this tonight? I didn't plan to tell this but here it comes. But I remember she was walking down the street in front of me and she had under her arms a little bundle. A little bundle under her arms where she had a couple of books and she walked up to us and she knew my name. Everybody in heaven knew my name, and my name was a rare name because there's an S on my name. It's not Robert, it's Robert's. So I've spent forty-four years explaining that S to the entire world. And after a while you wish you were just called Robert and kept the S a secret. But that's the way that my family and all Roberts and Evelyn helped name me when I was a little boy, and I'm proud of that name. So everybody in heaven knew my name when they'll know yours. And everybody knew that I was a visitor. Everyone said, we hope you enjoy your tour. We hope you enjoy why you're here. They knew that I was a, a visitor and they knew my earth name. And so when we walked a little farther in heaven, we went to, we went into a house in heaven. There's mansions, that the Bible calls them mansions or houses. Now, people don't, don't float through the wall. ones go high, as they float through the wall. They're very polite and well-mannered. Yeah, you're still not ready for that. Most of you think they're going to float in the air and go through the clouds and have little naked babies feed them grapes. All the angels I saw stood about six to eight feet tall. Some had wings and some didn't. And when the wings of those that had them moved, it sounded like musical sounds when the air went through, the, the, through their feathers or through their wings. So sometimes when angels come and participate in our worship, if it gets high enough, you'll hear what you call the angelic singing, the angelic choir, or the heavenly music. Probably what some of that is, is just the wings of the angels moving through the air and you hear it as sounds of instruments. And so they're all about six to eight feet tall. And so they all, they all have a reverence for Jesus. And the folks, folks that aren't angels, they're, they're a little shorter. They're not as tall. That's one way you can distinguish angels from, from you, from us when we get there, folks that just arrived because they're a little shorter and we're a little more mouthier. We're a little more talkative. We're a little more animated. The angels are not as animated in their expressions or the way they communicate. We still are very animated. God gave us the liberty of expression, and we didn't. We don't lose it when we get to heaven. Very animated. And so I remember we walked into this man's house. That we knocked at the door. We actually knocked twice before the man opened it. See, why did you just barge through? Because heaven still is polite. And we walk into into this house, and. Um, there was all different kinds of furniture. Decorated a little bit what we would decorate our homes in similar ways. But the biggest difference was the sofa. For me, now I'm an 8-year-old. I'm not a theologian. I'm 8-year-old. So things that an 8-year-old see that a theologian might not even consider. And they'd be in deeper. Where's Abraham at? Let me talk to him. I didn't care Abraham was, I enjoyed the couch. The sofa to me as an 8-year-old was the most entertaining thing I saw in that house. Because it was alive. It was alive with comfort. When you sat down on that sofa, comfort reached up and cuddled you while you were sitting there. Like I've been watching you for about fifteen minutes and you're already moving and turning and twisting to find a comfortable spot, aren't you? Because those blue chairs are pretty but not very comfortable. You can say amen. Because you're gonna you you're gonna keep moving to try to find a comfortable spot. So I remember when I sat down on that on that sofa, you could feel it reach up and cover you, and you never wanted to move, you just thought it was the most wonderful spot ever, sitting on that little sofa. And the man knew about different things in heaven, knew about some things on earth. There's some other things I could tell you, but, you know, that was, uh, it was one inside the house. Jesus stands about 5 foot 11 to 6 foot tall, as I remember him. His hair comes to bound about his shoulder. The greatest thing about Jesus I remember is how he laughed. As an 8-year-old, he laughs from what we call in the States a belly laugh, from way down deep. His laugh comes from within, a very hearty laugh. Not one of these, hey, hey, that's not him. <laughs> he doesn't go, hee hey, hey, that's not Jesus. It's ha ha, it comes out of him like that. And that Jesus had biceps. I remember he had biceps and he laughed that way. He said, well, people ask me questions. Well, did he have scars in his hand? I don't remember. I remember the biceps and the laugh. I'm an eight-year-old. I'm not a theologian. Let me tell you one more thing and we'll go, go on with the story or go on with the next part of my message. The day that Jesus became my friend, was the most precious day of my life. Out of all the things I've seen and experienced as a seer was the day that he became my friend at eight years of age. And how he became my friend was not in a way that he walked up and said, I'm your friend. It's what he did to me. We were walking a little ways in heaven. We walked by the river of life. As far as I know, that's the only river in heaven. It has many tributaries, it goes all over heaven. And we were in one part of it because I only saw a little part of heaven. I didn't see all. I only saw a part. Jesus walked into the river of life. And, of course, I followed. That's what you're supposed to do. You follow the Lord. He walked in. I walked in after him. And you're sitting there and you're you're feeling the river of life. Now, the river of life feels like this. Your body's waterproof, so water goes around you. But it's not life-proof. The river of life goes through you. And you can feel, sometimes this word is used by the New Age folks, and I'm sorry they've used it, but you can feel the life or the energy of that living water as it goes through your legs and goes through your hands as you're in it. It feels like water, but it goes through you. Your body is not life-proof. It's waterproof, but not life-proof. And Jesus did something very interesting to me. He reached over and kind of dunked me or threw me under the water. And we begin to have a water fight in the river of life. Now I've gotten more letters off of that one story of people saying, How dare you splash Jesus? You'd be surprised. Even after tonight there'll be somebody that write, in. I think it was very disrespectful that you splashed the Lord. And my response was, He started it. What does an eight-year-old do? You know, I'm an eight-year-old. I'm not an adult man. I'm not matured in all my emotions and in all my thinking. I'm a little boy, eight years old, the same age of Dudley's little boy. I was actually talking to him this morning. He's eight years old, reminded me of, of me a little bit. And it probably caused this story to come up inside of me. And he splashed me in the river of life. And we had a water fight, as I call it. People get upset. How dare you? Well, he started it. And I dare. But that was the moment that Jesus became my friend. And all the things I've done, good and bad, he's been my friend. He's never left. He never stopped believing in me. He's always been kind to me. Always been kind to me. And if you will give your life to him, not just in salvation, but give your life to him for purpose. We live in a church that after every soul, we want people to be, Saved and born again. But sometimes we don't go to this point of discussion to give your life to Him for His purpose in this earth. Sometimes we call it pick up the cross and follow Him. But at that day, at eight years of age, He became my friend. And that's when my life left my ownership. I didn't understand as an eight-year-old what it meant or how to say it. I felt it in my heart. I don't live all by my feelings, but this is one feeling I live by of that little eight-year-old looking up, walking out of the river of life, and for the very first time realizing he's my friend. This may be something that no one ever will understand, but I understand. And within that little mind that I had, I gave my purpose to Him. Whatever I was to do was His. I'd follow Him. My life changed that day. And that significance still is with me at 44 years of age. That was the first time that I saw Jesus. I don't know why Jesus chose to do that type of visitation to me I don't know why he don't do it for you I'm not in charge of that but I'm glad I got it I have to admit I'm very glad that I've had that experience the second time that I met Jesus in a visible way was when I was twelve and a half I was watching television again I wasn't being spiritual it seems most of my visitations come in when I'm just being natural Some folks think you have to be deep. I think sometimes you're so deep the Lord can't find you. I think you just kind of lighten up a little bit and just be real about yourself and real about your life. You you might have a little bit more uh, experience, a little bit more understanding that's not so heavy or a little bit odd. But I was watching television. My favorite TV show in those days was called Laverne and Shirley. I don't know if anybody over here knows that show, but it's just a comedy show, a 30-minute sitcom in those days. And I was watching it. And in the house where we were, the sunlight would come through the front door, normally about that time of day. So it was nothing unusual to see the sunlight come through the door. So when the light began to shine through the door, I didn't think anything different or strange. I just went on watching my, my show and not thinking anything about it. And all of a sudden, the light got a little bit brighter than normal, which caught my attention to some degree. And all of a sudden, a foot came through the door without it being opened. His foot came right straight through the door and then the rest of him walked in. And of course when someone walks through your front door that kind of glows at you a little bit. Uh, you, you, you do take notice of it. And I remember I sat up and I, and, I, and I looked and he looked and he turned and walked about three or four steps toward me where I was sitting and the room seemed to move back about five to six hundred feet. Boom, it moved back. You could hear the TV in the far distance, it sounded like. <laughs> you, could, you could hear it in the far distance. And he said to me, I want you to study the lives of my generals. Know why they succeeded and why some failed. For there will come a generation that will need to know these things. For if you'll be faithful to do that which I've asked you to do, it'll be your training. And you'll be sought after all the days of your life for what I will show you. And you will have a ministry that will unwrap gifts and release ministries and salvage them if you will obey. For this is a needful thing. For there is coming a time when men don't understand my anointings, my giftings, and the movings of my spirit. And a few other things he said. And he walked back out the door the same way he came back in. I went back and sat down on the couch and finished my TV show you think, now, why didn't you do something else? I'm only 12 and a half years old. What's a 12-year-old supposed to do? So went back. Later that afternoon, my grandmother walked in, unknown to this happening to me. She handed me my first book that I read. Now I've read 14,000 books according to my librarian. 14,000 books from the age of 12 to 44. Mainly biographies. Revival books and Christian teaching books, a few others than that, but just mainly that's what I've spent most of my time reading. Read my first biography, and I thought to myself after the visitation lifted, I thought, who wants to read about the lives of boring, fat preachers? That was my exact thought. Who wants wants to read the story of preachers? Because I didn't find any of them entertaining as a 12-year-old. The pastor that I had at that time was a nice guy. He was a sweet guy, but he didn't have much power obtained to him. He was just a simple old pastor in Tulsa. He's retired now. Nice guy. But you know, as for anything else, boring, He's all good out. I didn't want to obey it. didn't want to read it. But you know, sometimes to find the joy of something, young men, you have to start willfully obeying the command. Not everything comes with a with so much happiness and joy or an initial want to. Some things you just have to go ahead and choose to do. That's why some callings are not birthed on time. Because when God did speak, because there wasn't a a want to there, you just kind of laid it aside and said, I'll get to it. Well, when Jesus speaks, it's not when I get to it. It's called get to it right now in a hurry and obey and have a want to. A want to starts with a decision, not with an emotion. Your decision brings the emotion, not the emotion bringing the decision. And so I remember I read that first book, and halfway through it is when my appetite changed. My appetite and interest of preachers begin to happen. Now, some folks will study other people, but I love studying preachers, gifts, callings, movements of spirits, revivals, how nations respond, how people, I, I study them. Even when they come to KT, they don't know, but I'm watching them on two different levels. I'm watching them naturally, and I'm observing how they respond, what they do, what they don't do. Because some people don't ever maximize their call. Maximizing your gift and call usually scares the vessel, especially in the beginning of it. Especially if they have a reputation they have to maintain. So said they have that such thing. Some of these reputations should be shot and buried so they can have a new life. But they get over it, and I begin to watch them. And spent time, and I spent most of my life, and I'd go to school. I'd have my math book, my science book. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. My math book, my science book, my, my history book. And I'd have my Christian book, my biography on top. They made fun of me at school. As the religious character. The guy that always has a different book. Because when I'm done and got 10 minutes before the class is dismissed, I'd pull out the book and start reading. I became a reader. I became a studier. Then, as I got a little older, about 15, 16, I became a hunter. I began to hunt people. I thought, if Wigglesworth died in 44, there's somebody still alive that saw him. Who is it? And I began to hunt. And I found old grandmas all over the world and authors of books. And I began to find people that knew Amy, that knew Smith, that knew. I began to hunt. I began to find their families. Finding every book, every tape, everything about it. I want everything, 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 everything I can find. Almost, you thought I was obsessed. I was. But it was my call. It was my gift. That's what God told me to do. And God anoints you to do it. Those old ladies were wonderful. Old ladies from that group, they knew God better than you. There's something about an old woman that's been around God for a long time the older you are in God, the greater it gets on you. The sweeter it is and the more you don't care about stuff. And you just do what you're supposed to do. Mm, hallelujah. And these little old ladies, I'd go to their house and they wouldn't go to restaurants. They'd cook. They'd cook. And I'd ask them, do you have any pictures of Amy? Do you have any pictures of Smith? Do you have any... Where, where's your pictures? Because old people like to talk and tell stories. So I'd sit there and they'd fix the meal and they'd tell me stories. After story, after story, after story. They'd say, I remember I bought my first car. We bought our first, and they'd tell you the same story over again. The first time they saw Smith. I remember I was talking to one lady. She said, his eyes scared me. I said, his puncher didn't bother him. Nobody didn't bother him. His eyes scared me. I said, did Wigglesworth punch people? Yeah, she, he hit me. She said, I had the mumps, and he hit me, and they went away. She said, I was scared of his eyes. I was in one place, one lady told me, he, she said, I saw Wigglesworth boot a baby off the stage that had crippled legs and landed with perfect legs and feet out on the audience or down the aisle. She said, no. She said, I saw that. You can say what you want, but I saw it. I said, I don't, I'm not done. I'm a believer. And I spent all of my early dating years dating old women. That's who I went to. And my friends couldn't quite figure out, what are you doing? They didn't understand. Well, they didn't have to. It wasn't their call. I was obeying. I chose to do that. And by choosing, God favored me. God gave me the doors. God gave me the connections to find these people. Pretty soon they were calling me. I remember another story. They'd tell me on the phone. But the greatest thing about those old ladies and a few of the old grandpas—because grandpas used to die earlier than grandmas, grandmas lived longer than grandpas—it's true. They'd always end the evening not with a kiss, but a gospel prayer. And they didn't pray like some of you pray. It may take a 20-minute warm-up and a 15-minute prayer, and then another about another 10 minutes to cool down. That's about a 30-45-minute event to end the night. And they'd call on the Lord. Now, there's different ways people can pray. You can pray out of your intellect, and God will hear you. You can pray out of your desperation, and God will hear you. But when you pray out of your spirit, God will hear you. But it brings on a different dimension of impartation to it. If I pray for you out of my intellect, Lord, help this man. He has a tag on. Help him on the front row to have a great anointing, and Lord bless him, and give him a good life and a good family, and hallelujah, amen. Well, that's a nice prayer, scripturally based. I laid hands on him. There's really nothing in it right now. It's just, you know, I'm obeying what the Word says. I'm laying hands on him. But see, there's something different than just obeying. I was in an ordination service one time of a very highfalutin church. So highfalutin, they were almost out of the. well, they didn't have any glory in the church. And they were ordaining people that night. And they went through the, the, the ceremonial formality of laying hands on them. And there was nothing at all in their hands going into them at all. <laughs> not one thing. The problem is so much of what sometimes we submit to, that we accept, we don't have any expectation because you've not experienced it. There are so many of you that have experienced a hand that has something else in it besides just its flesh and its bones. They have a prayer that comes up out of your spirit. That moves the heavens and the earth. That moves your heart. That takes out and puts inside of you things. Those kind of prayers and those kind of things. It's almost a lost thing in this generation. And you that know it must hold fast to it. To help the next generation to know that there's something more than their normal one, two, three prayer. And their routine that they do. There's another world out there. There's another power you can get a hold of. And my life was surrounded by that. And that was my second visitation when I saw Jesus. The second one. And I've done my best to obey. The call starts by you giving yourself and pursuing it. Not just going, oh well, praise the Lord. I looked around this morning and I'm looking around tonight. And I see so many young people in this church. Now, other churches may have better young people crowds, but there's a lot of young people here. The young people in this house need to change and come to an awareness that you have a destiny beyond what your brain and your nice little friends have been telling you. But you can't quite hear it yet because I keep saying it and it comes back and hits me. So I say it again. There is this thing that's trying to capture some of you, from hearing the call of God on your life. You want to make sure that you'll have a certain kind of lifestyle before you obey or accept it. Let's let's go through the list here for a moment. I want to make sure, some would say, before I say yes to the ministry, that I'm guaranteed a beautiful wife. (laughs) Write that down. Let's go through the list. I want to make sure that I have a beautiful wife. The reason why some ministers' wives are ugly because their husband's are so busy on other things, they don't take care of the wife. That's why they're fat, and that's why they're ugly, and that's why they're complaining. So if you'll take care of your wife, you'll have a beautiful wife all the days of your life. <laughs> Say amen. I'm enjoying myself whether you are or not. <laughs> well, you know, I've heard this for thirty two years. I've heard it for thirty two years. And they complain. And I get letters. Some of you catch me and you ask me these little private questions because you're too embarrassed to ask it in the classroom. Concerns. I I just... Because sometimes all you see is things that are not right, but you don't understand. See, so many ministers, even some today that are having trouble because they don't have the right priorities. It is first you and God and your relationship. Then it's you and your family. Then it's the ministry. If you put it backwards, you're going to have trouble. God didn't put your ministry before your family. Now let me say this. If you don't want a family responsibility, then don't create one. (laughs) Don't create one. Now, some of your cultures and backgrounds... Demand, especially some of the African cultures and background, demand that you be married by a certain age or there's a problem. Take that culture and shoot it. <laughs> because it's making some of you make missteps in the timings of God and with whom you are to marry. If you don't want the responsibility, then don't create it. If you don't want the responsibility of being a parent, then don't create the babies. Grandma used to say, Can I give you a grandma quote? Any two cockroaches can make a baby. <laughs> but it takes people of discipline to be parents. That have disciplined themselves to focus on their children, to make sure their children's life is great and right, and to train them up in a way they should go and be proud of them. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Hope that wasn't too southern for you because my family's southern. And southern folks say it kind of the way it is. It's kind of a little raw, but you get the point. But a lot of them, they, they, a lot of you are, are challenged by that concern. Well, fix it. Fix it. Now, when Sister McPherson got married, her first marriage was her best marriage. That was the right one for her. But her husband died of malaria over in Hong Kong or over in, in China and, um, and, and, and died. And she didn't think she could obey the call of God without her husband. And she was pregnant with their first child and she thought ministry was over. She did not know that her life was going to be one of the great stars of Pentecostalism. And so she, she came back to Canada to try to recover from the death of her husband. It's a sad, sad story. And uh, she didn't think she could preach because women couldn't preach. I mean, that was still a pioneering thing in those days. And the Lord told her, He called her, and after a few incidents, she kind of said yes to it. But she married a second time. She married a nice man named Harold McPherson. He was a businessman like some of you. And he wanted to have a nice wife that would come when he'd come home, would have a meal on the table. What we call the American wife. I don't know what you have called over here in Britain, but we call it the American wife. The little wife that's there at the house takes care of the home and takes care of the children and takes care of all that stuff. And you, the breadwinner, go out and make the paycheck. And when you come home, we have this nice little 1950s family. That all makes sense? I don't know what we call it in Britain. We call it the, you know, the 50's home or the, the American dream. Well, first off, the dumb thing, should have realized what he was marrying. You can look at Amy McPherson and think, there is no way that woman's going to be happy frying chicken. <laughs> there is no way that a woman like that is going to be able to be content just settling into home life as he desired. Now, you guys, when you start marrying some of your some of the girls you're going to marry, they're going to be called, and their call is going to be the, what the public is going to be attracted to more than you. Uh oh, that's going to be a problem. Mister McPherson was not a sinner; he wasn't a wicked man. He just was blind in both eyes and deaf in one ear. He couldn't see what was in front of him. you. Can't marry Amy and expect her just to make the beds and plant some flowers and fry some chicken and be there when the kids come home from school and go, Oh, hallelujah, let's have dinner. No, she's going to conquer the world. But he couldn't see it. And that marriage didn't work. It ended in divorce. It ended in divorce. Now, I have to give the man credit. As a historian, he never fought her, never came against her in any evil way. Later in life, even after she had died, he went out to the church where where their son, Harold, they had one child together. Harold was the president of the denomination, and he got up and made a comment to the ministers. He goes, you know, many people asked me why our marriage didn't work. He said it didn't work because I didn't want it to work. I could not handle Amy being the one that everybody ran to, number one, and I was always second in the view of the public. And you he, and he have to, to, to give him credit for owning up. And he goes, and number two, I wanted a wife to be at home. I wanted to come home to that kind of lifestyle. Well, Amy would come home and there would be 15 people in the front room waiting for her to pray for you. I mean, it's not going to be normal home life. And he said, I just couldn't handle that. It was the issue. It was the problem. And so I have to say, as a historian, give the guy credit and salute him. At least he understood it. He owned it. And he goes, you know, we, we did our best, she did her best, but we, we just had to part ways because I just couldn't I couldn't do that. Now you have more sense than that, guys. Have more sense than that. Stop. Don't live by your hormones, put some logic and spiritual sense in there. And, and realize that some of the things that you're attracted to can you live with in an everyday life. But some people they, they have a trouble, they have trouble because they don't understand and they want to be the head. Well, you can be the head, but you may not be the brains. (laughs) Good preaching, Brother Roberts. Amen. (laughs) Say what you want. But it can work if everybody knows how to submit to one another in the Lord. Knowing how to respond to each other's place and roles the right way and know how to flow and to fit and function. It can work. Joyce Minor, husband, works. That's an example of it working today. Think of being married to Joyce Meyer. All due respect. I mean, that woman knows what she wants, and she's going to go get it. And God bless her. And her husband knows how to fit in there and work through there. And they tell you everything on stage. You listen to them talk. They'll tell you what they went through. They tell you everything. There's no... In that family, it's all public. My family had to do with the public life. Even though I'm very public... They're more quiet. Me and Grandma were the very, la, 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 la. we talked to everybody. We're the outgoing. Now some of my other family members are a little more quiet, a little more reserved. They like the public to a degree. If you don't love people, don't be in ministry. If you don't love the weird ones, don't be in ministry. Don't, if you don't love the ones that are doing weird things at you, you get them all. You're going to find a love for all of them and know how to deal with them all differently, but you're going to have to deal with them. But some of you young men are concerned that you don't want to end up in that kind of life or that kind of lady. But part of that is your responsibility. If you get your priorities out of order, your home life, your wife and you and you will all be out of order. And you can't blame the ministry for that. You can't even blame the devil for that. It's your fault. Say amen. amen. Good preaching, Brother Roberts. I still got 35 minutes and I may not quit then. And number two, people concerned about the ministry because... I don't want to be broke. Write that down. <laughs> That's another concern of why folks don't want to be in ministry. is the money, the financial issue. So let's talk about that for a moment, if we, if we don't mind. The financial issue. I come from a poor family. Most of the... When my grandfather died, your great-grandfather died, he only had won or made $700 profit for the first time in his life when he died the last year of his life. That was it. They were country preachers. I didn't come from wealth. I didn't come from fame. I didn't come from status. I didn't come from the right side of the tracks. We were Pentecostal country folks from the wrong side of the tracks. That's where our tribe comes from. Our recent ones, I'll say that. And and, uh, that's that's the way they were. When my grandmother married my grandfather, she was a northerner and he was a Southerner. She said, when I married your grandfather, it was like going to China. They spoke a different language. They ate different food and everything was a sin. She could even wear her wedding ring because it was gold apparel and it was against the scriptures. So they made her take her wedding ring off. Oh yeah, welcome to the southern stupidity. And so that, that, that's where it was back then, that southern Pentecostal stuff. That vein. So we didn't come from all, all, all of that. So I remember when God called me to preach, I thought, I can't obey God raising chickens and pigs. Because that's what my family mainly raised. They raised tobacco. Preached against it on Sunday, but raised it during the week. I don't know how that works, but that's how it worked. They had 40 acres of tobacco. Went down to the church on Sunday and preached against smoking. You know, I've asked Grandma, I said, How could you choose? That's just the way it was. Whether it's right or wrong, that's the way it was. We raised it, but we didn't smoke it. Well, whatever. So that, that, that's where they, And then when they got through raising the tobacco crop, they began to raise chickens and pigs. About 100,000 chickens at one time. Hey, have you ever smelt 100,000 chickens at one time? Your nose will go into orbit and it won't come back for days. So my family are farmers, agricultural people. That's how my mother was raised. So my grandparents, they were country preachers. They built about 23 churches in their lives. And I thought, if you called me because the Lord one time showed me most of my life. It didn't show me all, It showed most of my life. People I'd meet and so forth showed me a lot, of, a lot of it. And I saw all these things I had to do. I thought, I can't be a chicken farmer and do that. I, and I don't want to raise pigs. They stink worse than chickens. <laughs> pigs have to be specially put out farther away from people because the odor alone may cause people to go crazy. You get that coming at you. Hogs, you know those big old fat ones. They don't squeal, they oink. They come at you and they bite you. The big pigs. They raise them in the thousands. And I remember, I said, I, I can't do that. My mom was the rebel of, the, of my grand, grandmother's children. She actually earned her master's, two master's and a doctorate in college. She was the first one to get an education. And she left that little farm to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to go to Oral Roberts University And at Orbit University, they were a little bit more progressive and not so Pentecostal traditional. When my mother came back one summer and went out to the ocean because we lived 36 miles from the Atlantic Ocean in North Carolina, she put on a swimsuit. Now, in those days, wearing a swimsuit meant you went to hell. It didn't mean you were in sin. It meant you were going to go burn, baby, burn. There was those rules. Now, thank God you're not like that. It might be good to have some of that come back to cut, tame some of you down. But that's the way. My grandmother cried for two weeks thinking that her youngest daughter had lost her salvation, was going to go to hell because she put on a swimsuit and went out in the ocean to swim. Yeah, you owe now, but she had to live through all that. You better be glad for all those folks who pioneered for you to have a swimsuit. Better be glad for you guys wearing jewelry tonight. You'd be calling you Del- Delilah and, and, you know, all those other bad women. That's what they'd call you. Jezebel, Delilah, Proverbs said, if you have red lips on, you're a harlot. I mean, they'd preach at you like that. You enjoying this tonight? Hallelujah. But they were always broke. Never had any money. If they didn't have the farm to raise their food, they would have probably starved to death. So I come along, and the call of God comes to me, and I thought, I can't obey this call with chicken feathers and oinky pigs. And I don't want to live out there in that little weird house and pasture these little folks that need a lot more than a sermon. They need some weeks of deliverance, captivity, and then teach them. Put them in prison so they can change. Crazy folks. I said, I don't want to do that. I said, but they're broke. They have no money. None whatsoever. Some of you have looked at the ministers you've been around in your life or what's betrayed in society and that the reason why you don't want to obey the call of God, young man, is because of a financial issue. I want you to listen to me. I want you to open both ears and both eyes and look at me in my brown suit with my yellow tie. You're broke because you're Ignorant not because of a choice of obeying god people are financially in a crisis or live in a time of almost drought as a lifestyle because of a knowledge issue not because of the ministerial call not because of where god called you it is an unknowledge issue when i understood that my financial condition was determined by what I did and what I understood, my condition changed. When I left those understandings, deviated from those counsels, then I suffered. It was my own fault and nobody else's fault. Your financial life is determined by what you do, how you manage the money you have, and what you do with God's Word pertaining to money. Now, you have to decide... Are you going to live alone in the financial world by your ability? If you choose not to get involved in Scripture, involved in the biblical counsel of money, and you could keep yourself separate from it, then you must all the days of your life work your schemes under your power. And what you make and what you do is all you. Now you can choose that. But I've noticed in 32 years of life and ministry, those that choose that quit ministry, they're fooled and they're distracted. They don't make it. I am a prosperity preacher. I believe in prosperity for every believer by God's will and God's word. But I believe it comes By getting into Scripture and understanding the full view of prosperity. Not just getting the harvest, but managing your harvest. And working it correctly. I was probably 19 or 20. If I remember right... But I received my first $32,000 check for four months of royalties for my book writing. That was more money than my mother made a whole year being a school teacher. I was in my early 20s. And God began to bless me. Why did God bless me? Because I was a diligent man, young man over what God told me to do. One way that God prospers you is learning to be diligent with what God tells you to do. Now, if God told you to do something, go do it. He told me, study the lives of my generals. Know why they succeed and why they fail. That was an assignment. I did that assignment so diligently, I can tell you how tall John Wesley was. I can tell you what color his hair was when he was born. I can tell you how tall Catherine Kuhlman was and how much she weighed when she died. I know my generals. Now, you don't have to know them to that degree. It doesn't make any relevance in your preaching. But diligence to me meant I should be the master of that information. And I went after everything it was related to that assignment. By being diligent, Proverb says, you will prosper. By being diligent, you'll be honored. By being diligent, you shall bear rule. You shall bear influence. By being diligent. Most young men and women have not developed the instinct and the, the, the diligent factor about their life. Diligence means this. To give special attention to a duty or a task assigned to you. Not general attention. But special. Some things special means an extra five minutes. Some things special means an extra five days. It varies according to the assignment that's given to you. Money comes to the obedient. Money comes to those that do what is right. Honor comes to them too. Financially, you can win. Now, let me go back here for a moment. There is a religious view that preachers should be broke and that we should not have anything. I don't agree, as you can tell. And neither should be for you. You have to get rid of that attitude. You have to get rid of that tradition that comes into the church. That being poor is somehow holy. Being poor is somehow Nice and beautiful and precious or whatever. The only thing I learned about being broke, it's not fun. And there's no beauty in financial stress. Amen. See, my Brother Roberts, you're special. You're not? You're not special? No. Yes, you are. Having a vision don't make you special. Obeying the call makes you special. Whatever that is for you. Some of you don't want to obey God because of the money issue. Conquer that in your scriptures. Study it. Go after it. Pursue it. And during tough times, don't quit believing. During times when the devil's trying to take you out because you don't have enough money, give more money. Do more seed sowing. Don't back down. Press. Go. Conquer. Attack. And proceed to obey that high call in your life. Can you say amen? Don't give up. Now, the next thing that they say, well, I just don't want one of those typical calls. I want one of those, you know, great gifts. Which normally means to most of you a healing gift. Most charismatic calls, when you think about, I want one of those wonderful anointings. We think Miracles. And that is a wonderful, anointing, don't get me wrong, but there is so many more out there. And you can have more than one. Oh, hallelujah. I like more than one. I want to get them all. Amen? All that I can have, I want. If you won't use yours, I'll take yours. I don't want one of those calls. That's why I've spent the last few weeks when I preach here at KT on this it's so a subject a high calling to help get your attention. Every anointing, every gift has a high call to it. Every one of them. Now, whether you go after it or not is up to you. The gift that God gave you, whatever it, it is. Pastor Collins stands there as a senior minister. Then he has a team of ministers around him that we all love and appreciate. They're as called as he is. My associate pastor I had when I pastored my church in California. He had a call to be what we would call in our vernacular, my associate pastor, my, my second in command. He walked in that anointing and gave. Was happy. Was not jealous. Was not envious. Was not anxious. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. There's an anointing for all these positions. Here's the problem. Look at me, I'm not done. I know it's 9 o'clock or whatever time. I don't have my glasses on. As as I can't tell it. I bind it. And um, we, 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 we have to see that every call is unique. Every place that God places you in His wisdom, He places you somewhere. He plants you. Now that may not be there forever, or for some it might be forever. Ha, leki <speaking> Contentment in where I place you is a requirement for other graces to come upon you, says the Spirit of the Lord. For many I have other things to give and to add to them, but because they have been envious of others, anxious in time, frustrated with elements of those around about them as they compete and compare, let these things cease and be content, for I'll call all things to be. I'll cause everything I've said to you to come to pass. Be content and let me add to you those things that are dear to me into your life, says the Spirit of the Lord. The the giftings that God gives you because He knows they're best for you. Now, in my life, you've heard me say here, I want a Catherine Kuhlman anointing. If I had the ability to pick one, I would take Oral Roberts and Catherine and push them together. I think that would be the greatest mm, 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 anointing you can find. You got Oral Roberts' Oral Roberts's right hand and his great preaching style. Ugh. Oh, I mean, when Oral Roberts was a young man preaching, there was nobody better. Even Billy Graham had to sit down. He was the best. Oral could preach that fourth man sermon. There's no I ever heard him preach the fourth man, the burning fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar leans down and sees four instead of three. And he turns to his fellow and says, I see four. And he starts, who is the fourth man? In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he's the high priest. And he goes straight through the Bible. And by the time he gets to Revelation, you're about to be raptured. It is absolutely one of the best. I mean, he was... But if I had my my choice, and I'm just talking to you tonight... I would push those two together. But if I had to pick one, I'd pick Catherine. Love, Miss Kuhlman. I've never seen anything or felt anything like I did in her services. Except for a few times in my grandmother's prayer closet. Just a few times. I mean, that anointing. I don't know how to explain it to you where you would want to have it. Some things you just have to experience. To sit in an auditorium with 10, 12,000 people for four to five hours and it comes like the wave of the ocean and it never, it never goes down. It stays up and it keeps crescendoing the whole time. And what you see is so minor compared to what you feel. And she never touched hardly anybody. They just got to heal while they were sitting there. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful anointing. I wish she would never have died. I would be a very good, you know, groupie. <laughs> I'd be following Catherine everywhere she went. You know, I understand why some people get in around some anointing and they just ah, they they just can't get enough. I, I I understand. I I do understand. But I didn't get that. I still have a hope that one day maybe I'll get it for a little bit before I go to heaven? I don't know. You, there are many things that you will desire as a young minister. Just like Timothy desired to be a bishop at one time, and Paul said it was great. Didn't say he got it yet. You can desire things, but they may not be granted you. So don't try to manufacture them or pursue them in an emotional, socialist way and, and, and have a counterfeit. Have the legitimate. I got what I call a cleaner-out anointing. I got it from my grandmother and my grandfather. Uh, they, 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 they had, there's this company in America that cleans out pipes. They're like a plumbing they're called Roto-Rooter. You have that over here? Probably not, but it's a company called Roto-Rooter. And they Roto-Rooter pipes. That's kind of how I feel my anointing is sometimes. I Roto-Rooter. I get a hold of a church or something and I clean that thing out. And I have that anointing. And if you'll hang on long enough, I'll clean you out. And set you straight and put you where you belong and let you go. If you'll hang on long enough and not get mad at me or have an issue, you just hang on and let me get done with you. You'll get there. Now, that's not an anointing that everybody runs to have. They don't run, oh, Brother Roberts, we love your anointing. Some do, but most go, (laughs) praise the Lord. Not everybody cheers that. But a Catherine anointing, most people... Even though they didn't get it, they go, wow. Because it just had that dynamic to it. You have to be content how God gifts you, how God places you, and not become competitive, jealous, envy, because all those things take that away from the quality of what you are and the beauty of what you are. I had to realize mine comes through strong intercession and in tongues, prophetic sight. And part of my gift works in the authority of my voice. That's why it get, always gets fought. That's for one of the battles. It's, part of my voice problem is a natural problem, I understand. But part of it is also a spiritual battle. Recently it's mainly been natural because I have to learn how to talk again. Because I got lazy in my speaking so I lose my voice a little bit more. Plus I'm not sure these British pollens are not having a problem too. But we won't discuss that tonight. But I get fought from here to here, is one of my great battles to fight, to protect that. With healing and my shield and common sense. I don't know how to protect my gift because my mouth has authority in it. That's the way it came. And my hands do. My hands and my mouth has transmitting power in it. Now, this sounds arrogant, but you've got to understand how your gift works. Most folks copy others and don't discover what works for them. Now, what I'm saying is not trying to be special or above or elite but it took me a while to understand how my gift works I used to act like Brother Hagin I could talk just like him you fold your hands and you walk a certain way and you talk and you lean over the Lord and you start moving a certain way I mean I can, I can act just like Brother Hagin I used to be Brother Hagin and I could be Lester Summerall mm. I know how to do it I knew I followed their anointings, and it's okay when you're a child growing, when you're growing in your gift and you're calling your anointing. It's okay. it's not a problem with it. But there comes a day when that must shift to where you come into you. Now, you still may have degrees of them in it, because I have them in me. I don't ever want to let that go. But I realized the day when my prophetic office came in and the apostolic thrust came over me, all of a sudden... I found there was power in my hands and there was power in my voice that was not just a normal loud voice. When I got part of that from my prayer life, part of that from Brother Sumrall, he put that in me a little bit. Be blessed is how he would pray for me. That was all his prayers. He didn't pray much more than that in all the years I've known him. Very often he might pray a little bit more, but mainly it's be blessed. And that's how it came into me, part of it. How does your gift work? Now, I've been made fun of most of my life. A lot of the preachers made fun of me because I was young in their peer group. So I had to survive the jealousy of age. Then I had to survive the attack of my anointing and my gift. Now, that is where we lose so many of you. In the battle of the minister's. Ministerial jealousy is one of the cruelest things you'll face. I didn't know it existed until it bit me. Because I I, our family wasn't like that. Our family, our philosophy was this. I need to close. Our philosophy was this. If somebody has more of God than you do, don't criticize them. Go over and get it. Thank God that my mom and my grandmother put that in me. I hope I can put it in you. If some church or somebody has something more of God than what you have, and it's beautiful and it's great. Don't criticize them. Go over and get it. Go over and sit around the river a little bit and get your feet wet. Observe it. Get blessed by it. Now, you should know where your home church is at. But it's when you can't go enjoy something. Go over and get it. Don't sit there. Well, I don't like the way they do this. I don't like their music. I don't like this. Well, I'm sure there's things that you could help them with and they can help you with. But that's not the issue. I didn't go over there to fix their music. I went over there to learn the flow. I want we'll able to find out what's going on to get another dimension of God to experience that. That's what they do here at KT. They come from all over the world to experience what happens here. You all just take it for granted. You don't always see how beautiful this place is. You enjoying tonight? Yes. you get in this boat, you can stay for a while. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Oh glory be to God forever. Everybody under the age of 25, stand up. Every man under the age of 25. If you're a man and you're under 25, stand up. Every young man under the age of 25, stand up. Every young man, every young man under the age of 25, stand up. It's not a hard request. If you're 24 and you're a male, stand up. If you're 23 and you're a male, stand up. If you're 22 and you're a male, stand up. If you are 25 years old and under and you're in the room, stand up. Hallelujah. Come down here. Come. Come down. we'll wait for those in the balcony come I need an eight are you playing that one I have an a minor. Just play in, that, in that, that zone, if you would, for a moment. Is this all of them? Hallelujah. Softly. You have to stay under me, not over me. You have to stay under me, not over me. Support me, don't direct me. Psalmists and minstrels have to know how to support. If you get too loud, and play too certain. So you start directing the practice. You, 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 you have to maneuver. You have to maneuver. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Anybody else? You two stand on the side. Don't stand behind them. Stand, stand right here beside the guy in the pink, if you would, please. Thank you. Now, I need me an usher or two. I need me an usher or two. Calvin, come and help me catch. Give me, Victor, you come. Now, I'm going to lay my hands on you. When I lay my hands on you, something's going to happen. Some of the things that are dormant in you are going to live. Some things that aren't right are going to move. They're going to shake. And if I see anything, I'm going to say it. We're going to maneuver and start putting young men in their calls and start putting young men in, the better, in some better places. But it, but it, 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 it takes time. It doesn't all, that's the fun of that clock. I don't know, it's time. But sometimes, it, it, it just takes a little bit more time to do certain things. That's called a believer's meeting. It's a, it's a little more, a little different. What's your name? How old are you? 16. Are you born again? Is that a yes or a no? Yes, say louder than that. You speak in tongues? Let me hear them come on come on that's it come on no don't look at him look at me forget the crowd come on open up father in the name of Jesus let the gift of other tongues begin to be free inside of him now look at me how much do you pray in tongues All right, Calvin get in spirit filled and I'll come back what's your name Where are you from good you've been saved long are you called you don't know well there's something there that rests on your right so let the gift that you ask yes, in, in the name of jesus let that which has been dormant begin to awaken inside of you let the let the right alignments in his life take place. Wrong people get out. Now, let me let me talk to you. Wrong people don't mean they're doing something bad. Some of them are, but sometimes they're just not the right ones that are helping you. Does that make sense? Now, that's up to you to put a stop to that. Now the Lord will help you, but I see a couple of them that are that, that they're not good. They're not evil, but they're not they're, they're pulling you the wrong way. So, do you pray in tongues? Let me hear it. All right, that's called stammering lips. Here, tongues. Leberu sumana monta. Slow down. Just begin to speak out. Flabonde levekise ba lo kono mama highai. That's it. Le boroko na nemenai sa le boroko do lo lokefi sa maroko. That's right. La Borukos. Now let's let it become a language. Le borocos sumana ne nekeista feri biriginin bara sukondona mama ne ne di sa lo kodo lo lega de liapa highai. In the name of Jesus, let everything that is, yeah. Come into order. Come into order in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. What's your name? Where are you from, Michael? where he's from? Are you guys brothers? You see if you're in tongues? Have you heard him? Have you heard him? Now you look a little more nervous than he is. Hallelujah. Are you called? No. I'm just, you didn't say no. I'm just asking. Not every answer that is yes. Sometimes it's no i'm just asking in the name of jesus it just came back out of you there it is in the name of jesus I, there it is. i lay my hands upon you let the blessing of the lord be upon him let him start seeing and hearing let his inside sensitivity become more dominant in his decision making while he is yet called young be blessed in the name of jesus how old are you no, no 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 keep your thought right you know anointing stay on you if you keep your thought right just stay in the receiving mode just stay in receiving not everything as soon as i take my hands off doesn't mean it's done it just means i'm done this means i'm done doesn't mean that it's done sometimes what's your name Nigel. where are you from kings Ferebidis kodo laboro forovante, ferevikis bama lebeke siete bams in Jesko bama no saba kamhai. Fribidis mano sukodo loko na ne medivribasa, mananano no saba kadana siki di bara bahai. Emba sovovo foribeke sidi niki mananaya. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, yeah, uh, come here. In Jesus' name in Jesus name we break the power of that thing against you and let him be free so we can think clearer in Jesus name there it is right there in the name I break that assault against you in Jesus name you'll not do that to him in the name hallelujah where are you from from Romania are you going back are you going back to Romania are you here to stay look at me look at me oh, that's okay okay that's okay that's okay all right father blessing yeah I see that in the name of Jesus supply 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 his need supply the need in the name of Jesus, saboto bokama we we bless you in Jesus' name. Give him the right friends, salaboko na mananaiye, selebiki sorokolo na You'll start to see in Jesus' name, falaboko sa mananedes, selebiki sa mananaman, ah selebiki sa mananaman, boko te bote selebiki sa manahaiye. Now just receive here for me, just receive in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. What's your name? Jonathan, where are you from? Pakistani. Good. We need more Pakistani Christians that are loud, bold, and crazy in a good way. Amen. How old are you? 25. Oh, wonderful. Hallelujah. You mm, I do remember you. You were that woman that called that I pointed out the other day. Alright, Sebadikisum Nanaya. In Jesus' name. Hey, guys, how old are you? Come here. You don't have to fall, but it came right back out of you. In the name of Jesus. In the name. Now, don't hold him. up. Just take him. Let him be. He's in charge, not you. Ushers, you can't control it. You receive it. All right, guys, how old are you? You're eight. How old are you? Are you sure you're eight? Okay, how old are you? Seven. Let me pray for you. Father, give unto them. As the prophets have said, that out of the mouths of babes and youngsters shall come perfect praise that'll steal the enemy. While they're yet young, use them for your glory. Accelerate their growth in their hearts. Accelerate the growth of their spirits inside of them. And I pray for you to have the right friends at every season of your life. Every season of your life there shall be protection and there shall be blessing over you. Father, let their gifts come into the earth while they're yet young. And be part of the fulfillment of Joel's word. That young men shall see visions and they shall prophesy. Be blessed. Be blessed. In the name of Jesus. How old are you? Thirteen. In the name of Jesus. I bless you. In Jesus. Do you pray in tongues yet? Do you pray in tongues would you like to you want to know more about it all right let me pray for then we'll have someone talk to you in jesus name father bless the young heart of the devil and the gift that's inside of inside of him give the right influences put the right people across his path protect his heart where the hurt and the pain of life shall not dictate a new direction be blessed! In the name of Jesus. In the ah, there it is. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Wendy? Wendy, come in. Help him get spirit-filled. That's one of our students. Nice name. She'll help you with that, alright? Praise God. Where are you from? You doing alright? Alright. In the name of Jesus. How long have you been saved? ask you a question. How long have you been saved? Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you sure? Look at me. Are you sure? All right. Just ask me. Is everything all right with your salvation? All right. In the name of Jesus. There it is. I lay my hands upon you and bless you in Jesus' name. You're called. You know it too, don't you? All right. What are you doing about it? Anything? Uh, well, work on it. Work on it. Hey. You don't have to fall. That's not the issue. I'll take it again. In the name of Jesus. We bless you. In Jesus' name, there, there, there it is again. You go. That's it. That's it. That's it. Now, Jonathan, you're gonna have to get better about some stuff. That's why you're running from me. You need to run to me. I've asked you how many times to come and see me. All right, you're gonna come and see me sometime. All right. Let me pray for you. The reason why there's some, tr- <clears throat> the reason why there's some trouble you're pursuing something before you're supposed to in your private life slow it down it's all going to be okay but slow it down sometimes you run with people that are older than you and they kind of get you into their rhythm because you like them you admire them and especially what your 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 musical side but no you have to live your life and follow the pace of God for you so just slow some things down and take care of the things you've kind of let and you have to take care of properly spiritually and you know what Father in Jesus name help Jonathan we protect the gift we protect the life that you've given him we place love and faith around him in the name of Jesus we break the Of the wrong pacing that's come against him. We command the voice of the enemy to go silent in his ears. And let stability beyond his ears come. And I bless you in the name of Jesus. Be blessed. And be stable. And let the right people be in your life. And let the wrong ones be removed. In the name of Jesus this dissipates dissipates dissipate don't 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 drive him let there be a peaceful following and a joyful growth in Jesus name how you doing what's your name hi Daniel. Daniel all right Daniel father we bless him from, there it is from the top of your head to the soles of your little feet. See here and obey. See here and obey while you're young. Let the blessing and the protection of the Lord—there it is—be upon him and rest upon him. In Jesus' name, I'm glad you showed up. What's your name? Ken. Ken, how old are you? Nineteen. You called. To, you can shake my hand. You called to preach. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand. The, I understand. It. You don't have to wait until you're a lot older. You can do something now. Jesus needs you now, and I think you got kind of to know that. Hmm. right alignments, I pray over you in Jesus' name. Let those things that are out of order come back into line in the heart and the mind. And I break that spirit that has been assigned to entrap you. I break the power of that thing in Jesus' name. Loose him and get off of him in Jesus' name. And let there be liberty, stability, and let there be contentment within inside of him. And I speak to the gift in you to live and to obey in the name of Jesus. Now, part of this calls prophetic, isn't it? There's a prophetic thing here. Are you seeing things now? Are you having things that you see in the spirit? Visions? You can say no, I'm just asking. You're having a little. Okay. It's, it, it's, it's starting. It's starting. Get around the right people. Get in the right environment softly keyboard softly 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 Softly. get around the right people get around the right people so that thing can be right some of your friends aren't right some of the friends aren't quite right so that's all i can say if i say anymore it'd be too private Hmm. where do you go to church you go to church here are you gonna sell which one jeffrey said okay where's jeffrey jeffrey look over the balcony where are you i'm calling for jeffrey is jeffrey in the top of the balcony where are you at i can't see you oh he's coming down all right i'll come back to you and jeffrey are you in Jeffrey's cell too no who are you you're jesse his brother why aren't you in the cell Okay. Are we saved? How long? Oh, you were like me. You were born, born again. Okay. We sometimes are the hardest. Hmm. Sometimes the hardest. Are you called like you? You don't know. Okay. Okay. <clears> Fede bikisa. Bananaborosto. Fede disabara bananiriatai. Fede bidikini minandes. Larasto oncolo kereviski. This Brebe. the way the man is not going to be man de do it. He is not going to to do it. He is not going to be able to do it. He do see for yourself about abahaya are you jeffrey how's he doing he does all right i know there's 500 people listening but do you know how to raise gifts mm. father give him a new understanding of understanding gifts and calls around him holy spirit give to him understanding from scripture so he may be going to help raise and assist the gifted ones that you're going to bring around to him in the name of your call too by the way what are you doing about it you're going to work with me what does that mean you're not in trouble i'm just asking you're not in trouble i'm just asking think too much that's part of your problem, you're thinking too much let the mind be at peace Father, and give his feet the right directions and the timings with it that's what he's asking, Father he's asking for no timings and situations help him with that and he'll make the right steps with unnecessary dramas and traumas that would come help his heart to find the right path in the name of Jesus Hallelujah. So what's your name? Moses. That's a good name. Where are you from? You're South Africa. I came to South Africa when I was like 18, 19 years old. was preaching. How old are you again? You better hurry up. I was on my second missions trip when I was your age. Hallelujah. You'll go back. And you'll go back. There'll be two going backs. Hmm. Father. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. You speak in tongues? That's the problem. That's why I can't find your spirit. Come here, somebody. Can you go take him? Where's my Calvin? Calvin's a good one. He, he's, he's a white African. He can help you. Go with Calvin. He'll get your spirit filled. Amen. What's your name? Text, huh? You saved? How long? Good, good. you spirit filled. You sure? You pray in tongues every day? I try to. Well, that's called you need to. You just make the decision to do that. Yeah. Huh. Hmm every day not once in a while there's a shifting that's trying to get after you they want you the enemy wants you you know sometimes when you pray for people like this you walk welcome everyone and there's different degrees of ambition from the devil's side the different degrees of wanting there's a great wanting over you i don't i don't know you from anything i'm not trying to scare you you know but there's a wanting Wanting usually comes with temptings. We tempt you. Let's connect. there. We'll give you this, and the things will work better for you when you don't do what's right than when you do what's right. Why do I do this? It all goes haywire. Those kind of things happen. And I can see that a little bit with you. Is that true? That's true. Well, you're going to have to know the trap of the enemy. Sin has a pleasure season, and how long does that last? Until you can't walk away freely. It's pleasurable until you're entrapped. That's how long that season lasts. And you have to be and catch yourself. Know yourself. Now I'm not saying anything to anybody, but there's a there's a there's a desirous of you. And even the way you're standing looking at me, there's a little bit of mm, to it. Well right now I'm trying to figure that out I'm not quite sure But I know you're a little nervous probably Because there's about 500 people listening to us talk That's okay I've survived it for years You'll survive it for your life too Hallelujah Father we bless him Father open his eyes Where he can see How the enemy has come to try to entrap him So he can see it Not be afraid of it So he can see it Shine your light on the entrapment's so that he can jump over them say no to them avoid them let the light of God shine upon his life and his path where he can see and I bless you in the name of Jesus and we break the power of the enemy that assigned against you I break that assignment I break both of them go go in the name of Jesus we break them and declare his freedom now, you need to start praying in tongues out loud. You pray out loud. Look at me. Look at me. You pray out loud. All right, let's do it right now. Come on, don't be scared. Now, look at me. Go on, let's pray. Just keep going going in the name of jesus just keep praying what's your name who gabriel there's another gabriel in this house how old are you 22. in the name of jesus i lay my hand there it is in the name of jesus let the healing into your you let that wonderful gift that you've given entrance into the earth let those adjustments be made in his heart where there's no reservation of resistance but just freedom in the name of Jesus How do you? we have a healing gift, did you know that? there's an anointing there it'll grow, it'll grow it'll be fine, we speak in tongues every day You right, do it five minutes on the way to work on the way to school Well lift your hands up and thank the Lord, right? God bless you. you. Amen. Hallelujah. right? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up. Are you happy? Let's all go ahead and stand up. Are you happy? Are you happy? Yes. How are you? Amen. You all spirit filled now? Pray in tongues now. Father, we thank you tonight. The workings of your Spirit in each of these young men shall continue to grow. By the laying on of hands, even beyond their conscious recognition, anointing and blessing came upon them. Father, this house has many gifts to help develop, many anointings to help encourage, not just in the Word, but also in the moving of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. From For I will bring, says the Spirit of the Lord, many young men from this nation and from different nations of the world to this house. To be trained and to be blessed and to be taught. For there must, there must, says the Spirit of God, be a fresh opening. For my spirit to move upon ones who are gifted and those who are called to be developed and to be ministered to in this house. For it is a need that I wish to meet, says the Spirit of the Lord. And if you will do, the move, if you will do as I say, and move with my spirit, great shall be the fruit of the gifts and the calls that will come out of this house to the nation of the world, to where your past will look like compared to the amount that the future shall hold. So let everyone join their hearts and every leader join their heart and say so be it. Let the workings and the ministry under the called and the gifted ones become an everyday part of this house. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up all over the room and just thank God for tonight as we start to close. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, hallelujah, 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 thank you Father, thank you Jesus, thank you for the blessing of the Lord. We're going to have to learn how to flow there's more to music and i'm speaking to you and those who are not here as well that's in the music department you can keep playing while i talk to you but there, there there is more to it than just doing a song service now i know that you know that but there are different anointings and different moves of anointings that you have to find what music and what flow goes with it and that's everybody's responsibility there's a lot more you can do. And, and there is a greater requirement coming on this department for where this church is going and what this church is needful. So everybody that's involved from David on are going to have to change and take on more. Or there's going to be a shift. There has to come a change. Because the Spirit of God is wanting and you have to come. And you don't come in as a leader. You come in as under the ministry of helps in these days. You come to help assist. Help flow. Because sometimes people can get out ahead of you and change the flow of, of of the of the flow of the service and the flow of the crowd, and you have to stay with with you. And that is needful. It's part of being skilled. There's two types of skill: natural talent and skill and the spiritual talent and skill. And that's what's needful is the spiritual side of the talent and the skill. There are many things that God wants to say and to do, but some things cannot be born unless the right music is there and the right because this church will go with you this is not a resistant crowd this congregation will go with you if you will lead them if you'll lead them they will go they're not resistant that's the, one of the beauties about this church and this church family you're not a resistant crowd you'll jump even if you don't understand you're like, all right let's go you'll, you'll, you'll jump we have to kind of be careful not to jump too early or you don't lead them you know down the wrong road you have to be a little careful as a, as a, as a, as a minister father we pray for the music department as we start to close for pastor dave and all those that are in the music all those that are working and volunteering father enhance them enhance them enhance them in every way enhance their unity enhance their hunger holy spirit be in their practices be in their times and show them and guide them for they can be not just great talent But great ministers that are psalmists and minstrels. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Let them be able to bring the music from the oracle gift. Let the psalmist and the minstrel be born again in this house. Let them be born afresh. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And everybody said Amen. Did you enjoy tonight? Are you glad you came? Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I'm going to close. I'm going to close. I can't find the door out, but I'm going to close. Now, when you're being ministered to, young guys and anybody, put on the receiver's heart. Not just check me out heart. You can stand there and check me out and only get a portion. But if you'll put on, I'll take it all. Whether your mind gets it or not at the moment, take it all. When somebody lays hands on you, receive it. Take it. Don't say, that, eh. And don't worry about falling. Whether you fall or not it's not the issue. Receiving is the issue. Falling is a side product. Amen. Take it all. Don't say, eh. No, just take it. Amen. Receive it. Praise God. Father, bless them that have come here tonight. Under the sound of my voice, let them be blessed. I know there are those here that need healing and i ask you tonight where they may be standing that you put your healing power and touch them tonight jesus and heal them remove sickness and disease from their midst and let their bodies be renewed let their minds be at peace and no more disturbance we thank you for it in the mighty name of jesus everybody said amen before we go let's sing god a good happy song and then we'll give it back to christian can you do that all right, go ahead. How great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? And oh, see how great, oh, how great. For our great is our God.